Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling, previewing Vikings Saints. Can you feel the Christmas spirit, Ben? Can you feel the atmosphere? Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, <laughs> getting together with family or old friends, which I guess we have here. Mike Zimmer, Sean Payton, we heard about babysitting this week. We heard about Adam Zimmer uh, being on Sean Payton's staff, kind of getting a start in the NFL there. So, yeah, there's there's a little bit of a, hey, let's renew acquaintances kind of vibe. You got Latavius Murray down there. You got Justin Jefferson going home. We got Irv Smith. There, yeah, I mean, the, the Christmas <laughs> spirit is in the air. But certainly, there's backstories galore. It's going to be weird in, in, in New Orleans, though, don't you think? I mean, in terms of the Superdome being, I think Kirk Cousins called it the loudest place he's ever played in January when they won that playoff game there. Um, I until think the it's end the, of the game. Yeah, yeah, until, until, he silenced, <laughs> until he silenced everybody. That's right. Um, but he did say that he thinks this will be the, the of, of a season full of dramatic turns in terms of going into Seattle and it's dead quiet and you're not used to it. He said Friday might be the weirdest one, a nationally televised game, Christmas Day. You know everybody's watching, but you look up and there's no sound going on at the Superdome. It's just for a game that has such few stakes, Ben, we talk about the Saints-Vikings rivalry and kind of all these games that lead up to it. It's kind of a letdown a little bit going yeah. into kind of an atmosphere, isn't it? Yeah, it's probably not what the NFL had in mind when they put this on Christmas Day to run opposite the NBA's big, um, you know, slate of games that they have i mean the nba has has owned christmas day and kind of planted a flag there for years with you know their big slate of you know usually pretty high profile matchups on christmas day so it was kind of an odd one that they did this and i suppose they're they'll have it next year too with christmas being on a weekend i wouldn't be surprised if they throw a game on a saturday next year but yeah i think when they did it you figure okay playoff rematch it was a close playoff game these two teams have played two incredibly dramatic playoff games the last couple of years. Let's put it back on TV. And now you have the saints really, you know, not having a great shot at home field at this point. I mean, they, they are um, a long shot for that. Assuming the Packers win one of their last two. And then the Vikings are, I think have like a 2% chance of getting to the playoffs. So, I mean, the the Vikings will come out and and have to play hard and, and try to win the game, but given how depleted they are, given the fact that there's nobody in the stands, I mean, this is yes. This is one of those where, when the schedule makers put it out, you were counting on a different set of circumstances than what we have. Yeah, and, and there's plenty of intrigue still going into this one in terms of um, Vikings uh, familiarity with with the Saints. Obviously, the history with Sean Payton and Mike Zimmer going back that you mentioned, Ben. Um, just to the familiarity with with Drew Brees and kind of the history against the Vikings. And this isn't necessarily the same Drew Brees, so maybe that gives the Vikings a little bit of hope. It's not uh, the same Vikings either. It is not the same Vikings. Yeah, Harrison Smith pointed that out. He was asked about, um, somebody had asked him about kind of, do you use past playoff games as motivation going into this one? And Harrison just kind of paused and went, yeah, a lot of these guys weren't here. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I look back at it. He, obviously, he's right. Only four starters remain the same. If Eric Hendricks remains out, they'll have just four defensive starters from 11 months ago in New Orleans, which is just insane um, to, to think that seven of those 11 guys are, are overchanged. But um, is that many, huh? Yeah, it is. Many. I suppose it's Smith, Harris, Odenabo, and who am I missing? No, no, not Odenabo. Odenabo wouldn't have been a starter. No, 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 sorry. I mean of guys that were starting in that game 
Um, cause it was Daniel Hunter, it was Everson Griffin. It was yeah. all the guys that are not here and are not playing. Um, so the guys that are remaining are Eric Wilson, who did start that game. Oh, so sure. Yeah. Mar Stefan who started that game and then the two safeties, obviously. Yep. Those were the two I was missing. And but then yes. Kenders, Kenders would be the fifth, but he yep. hasn't been available for them. So it's almost entirely a new defensive front. And we just talked about this off, off the Chicago game. Um, but Ben, I don't know if Drew Brees, just in terms of going into this game, I don't know if he's going to matter that much because there's no Michael Thomas. And frankly, the Vikings ground game has been so bad. Once you just look at Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara and say, we can win with these guys against this Vikings defense. I don't know. I don't know if the Vikings are necessarily thinking that this is going to be a similar Saints attack as they'd seen previously. Yeah, I think that's probably a good way to look at it because we've seen the Saints for a better part of the season have to figure it out without Drew Brees, and it's been Kamara and, and Taysom, Taysom Hill. Is it Kamara or Kamara? I feel like we debate this every time we're on here. It's potato, <laughs> potato. I mean, it's, it's a right way to say it. I, I as somebody who's like not, last name gets mispronounced all the time, I should uh, probably take a little more care and figure that one out, but I, I guess you hear it said both ways. But Alvin and Taysom Hill mm. are – going to be a, a big factor and they've been a big factor because they've had to play without Drew Brees. So, and what we saw last week with David Montgomery being able to run all over the Vikings. Yeah. I would think the game plan for the saints is going to be let's establish that and we can run it all over them and, and uh, we'll kind of add to it with Drew Brees from there. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting that Harrison Smith kind of talked about that run defense is kind of more of a point of pride and saying that when you give up that kind of stuff on the ground, like they did on Sunday, Chicago, so guys have to take that personally. And this was coming off a question that was more about kind of how are you taking this year yeah. just in general yourself? And he said, I think guys just need to take this personally. They need to kind of get frustrated with themselves and get mad at themselves. And I wonder if it's that, if it's kind of fighting apathy a little bit for a Vikings team that um, really, you know, isn't going anywhere, hasn't shown that it's going anywhere. And when you've got two games left as an NFL professional, you got to get yourself up for games like this. And I think Harrison Smith might be rallying the troops a little bit and saying like, look guys, we need to get kind of uh, mad about how we played and make sure it doesn't happen on, on Friday. Cause it could happen yeah. all over again on Friday. Well, it's interesting with him because there are, and we've noticed that I think throughout the year he has been, I think in terms of all of our access being on zoom calls and not in a locker room, you know, that certainly hurts in a lot of ways in terms of being able to give fans a better idea of what's going on with the team. Smith, I would say, is one of the bright spots of it because he, I think, has been more thoughtful when he's not talking in his locker when he's on a Zoom call and it's not a bunch of cameras hoarded around his locker in a half circle and reporters there as well. He, I think, has used a lot of his press conferences, you know, probably much in the manner that his head coach does, where he's trying to send messages to younger players that might be watching these things of the ways that they have to do it to be successful in the league. We, we've seen that a number of times. I, he talked earlier in the year about um, you know, we don't have to wait to be good. We can be good right now. And, and if we do the right things and we don't have to sit here and say, oh, we're young, it's not going to happen. We don't have to think that way. So I think there have been a number of moments where he's trying to send a message. I think this is one of those where he's trying to tell guys, hey, um, you can't just pack it in two games early because the chances of going to the playoffs aren't very high. And I mean, you look at it, and it's been a long time since – I mean, really, you'd have to go back to, what, 2014, where the Vikings have gone into week 17 or week 16 uh, with nothing uh, 
with nothing to play for, really. I mean, they have something to play for here, but um, I, I guess 2016 yeah. would have been clinging to a thread as well when they went into Lambeau. And I, I feel like their chances may have been slightly better than they are now at that point, but I suppose that one was similar. We're 2016, they didn't have much left going into it, and that was a disaster that day at Lambeau Field. That was when Adrian shut it down and, and yes. made a lot of people angry because I think it was the last two weeks, right, that he said, yep. our chances are so slim, I'm not going to play. Yeah, it was basically he had said that, well, he had the, the long recovery meniscus surgery rather than doing the quick trim it and get arthritis later but come back for your team now, which um, <laughs> I think if I was in his boat, I'd probably have done the same thing he did because you got to live with the knee for the rest of your life. But he did that, and then the thing that you're alluding to that made everybody really mad was that he basically said, I will come back if there's a playoff shot because they started that season 5-0 and and kind of fell off in the second half. Offensive line was a mess and you know a lot of different things. But he essentially said, I can make it back in time and probably was pushing the timetable even then. But he said, if, if there's something to play for, I'm going to play. And then he played in that same, uh, in the Colts game. They got blown out. He sort of got re-injured, but I don't know how serious it actually was. And then he kind of said, okay, fine, I'm, I'm done. And I'm not going to go out and play again. And that, I mean, the, the relationship was coming to an end between him and the Vikings at that point, but that pretty much sealed it, I think. So yeah, similar situation a little bit that you may be trying to guard against here. And if you're the Vikings, you hope this end of this season is much less dramatic. And it has been so far because there hasn't been, a star player shutting it down because they're out of the playoffs. There hasn't been swinging from the rafters. There hasn't been swinging from the rafters as there was at U.S. Bank Stadium uh, against Chicago at the regular season finale. And then there was also uh, Rogue One series, as we call it, in Green Bay, where um, in the penultimate game of that year at Lambeau Field, uh, everybody remembers um, <laughs> Jordy Nelson not getting shadowed in that game by Xavier Rhodes because Terrence Newman didn't want him to, and that eventually came out in the full story. Although. The next day it came out um, with Xavier telling us we all planned not to do this during the week. And that just wasn't true. It was a game day thing. And anyway, it was just a whole mess, a whole mess. Well, um, that one was so we're, we're going down the Christmas Day memory lane here. Yeah. Um, I've, I've waffled between Rogue One series because I think Rogue One had just come out at the time. So we were, you know, it was an appropriate brand. Hold thing. on. Hold on, we need to say it's called, we call it Rogue One because doesn't Mike Zimmer swear it was only one series that they went rogue yes. or something? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think it was that. And I, I was probably working at ESPN at the time and was the, the Disney cross promotion around Star Wars was always a big thing when we worked there. Um, you always had to go ask players what the new Star Wars movie it was kind of a funny thing because Jeff Locke was a big Star Wars nerd. So I remember doing that at one point. But at any rate, I've waffled between Rogue One series and the mutiny on the Fox River over the years. So, um, but yes, that one was, you know, we Zimmer said it at the podium, and then I think you were in at the podium, and then you came in to try to talk to Xavier Rhodes about it, and Munnerlin had kind of gotten wind of what was going on, and he was basically trying to get everybody together to almost the prisoner's dilemma thing. Of, Let's get our story straight here when they when they start asking questions, and then Newman ran out of the locker room. That and then because that was Christmas Eve, and then Christmas Day, I think. Um, Adam Schefter had reported that oh, I wasn't really that big of a deal. And then there was somebody, I think, trying to basically say, hey, Newman made all the younger guys do it. So, you know, everybody kind of 
running to national report. I think Ian Rappaport said the thing about Newman making people do it. Everybody kind of ran to the, their national reporter of choice to get their version of it out there. And then the next day when we got back, it was, it was miscommunication. You guys made too big of a deal out of it. Xavier gets nervous when he talks to you guys, all that kind of stuff. So <laughs> that's where all yeah, that, that came from. Yep. Yeah, that was, uh, we, we've had some, we've had some fun around the holidays and that one was uh, probably the most memorable. Yeah, Mike Zimmer's Xavier gets nervous when he talks, and that's in reference to Xavier telling us right after the game that we all decided giving up the whole plot leading up into practice that we didn't want to follow the game plan, which was to have Xavier shadow Jordy Nelson, and instead Terrence Newman said, no, I got him, and didn't want to do it. And then at one point after halftime, they made the switch. It was successful, and that's what led to my question of Zimmer of, hey, why'd you guys uh, switch and have Xavier on Jordy all of a sudden? And Zim goes, they should have been doing that the whole game. That's how it all came out. And I believe Schefter told him, I think you said, somebody said this. I think Schefter said something along the lines of like Zimmer, it was Zimmer's fault. Like Zimmer just shouldn't shouldn't have uh, come out there and said it. And it's like, well, you know, Zim's a straight shooter. Sometimes we get that out of him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's times (laughs) where he shoots straight and sometimes it's to his benefit. Sometimes it's, uh, sometimes he just shoots straight. Yes. Sometimes. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, speaking of the Saints, it's been a lot less eventful of a, a end to the regular season so far for the Minnesota Vikings. And really, uh, it should be considering how the year started with Daniel Hunter, Yannick Ngakwe, Riley Reef, all the drama that came with the start of the year. Um, we'll talk about later next week, kind of what the Vikings should be evaluating and looking for here as they close this regular season, assuming there's going to be no playoffs, assuming the 2% chance does not come to fruition. Um, but Ben, I think one thing we do know about, I think one thing they have learned plenty about this year is Justin Jefferson. And I think we can talk about him a little bit considering, as you said, he's going back to new Orleans where he played for uh, LSU and, and just lit up college football. And I think it's funny now to see even some of the Vikings coaches, um, reference some of the pre-draft concerns about him and to say concerns is maybe overhyping it because he still was taking 22nd overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the fifth receiver off the board in a talented class. Jefferson clearly holds that to the best in terms of like keeping that personal wants to show people that he was the best. Um, but now you hear Kubiak and Zimmer and people say like, yeah, all these people thought he was just a slot receiver. Huh? It, it's yeah. kind of interesting to see that now. Yeah. Cause it was, it's a class with a lot of big receivers too. I mean, CD lamb, Jerry, Judy, um, Henry Ruggs, I think, was in there. I mean, Jalen Rieger and uh, Jefferson were not as big, and Brandon Ayuk is probably not as big of a guy either. But you had all of these, like, 6'3 receivers at the top of the class that everybody figured, okay, these are the guys that – I mean, T. Higgins probably, too. He went after Jefferson, but very much in that mold, these 6'4 receivers that can be physical with defensive backs can go over the top, and, and everybody thought with Jefferson, well, can he, can he play outside? Um, yes, he can <laughs> certainly. I mean, he showed it in college as well, but, um, yeah, he, he's, I think really shown at this point that he can do anything they need him to do. It's, it hasn't been, I mean, there, I think there are times where you see it. And I think you pointed it out a little bit in your film review a couple of weeks ago that when people get physical with him, it can be tough for him at times. And we saw it a little bit in Tampa Bay, I think early in the game, they, they played off of him a lot in that game as well. But when people get on him at the line of scrimmage in press coverage, sometimes that's a challenge, but I think that will probably change as he gets older and gets into an NFL offseason in a weight room, which he hasn't had yet. 
I think that'll help. But yeah, he's basically shown he can do everything he needs to do. And, you know, going home, I'm sure that, you know, in a, in a building where he won a national title last year as well, I, I'm sure this is going to be one that is uh, where he wants to, to have a big day. Yeah, and I got to say, too, I feel like his, his personality is kind of rub people the right way. And I feel like there's been some sub, as you call subtweeting, I guess, yeah. except it's at press conferences about uh, Stefan Diggs a little bit. It struck me that when Adam Thielen was asked about Justin Jefferson, now Adam maintains that they have a great relationship, him and Stefan, they still talk, all that stuff, not saying anything to the contrary. However, when he was first asked about Justin Jefferson this week, he said he's one of the most selfless guys I've ever been across, I've ever met, I've ever mm-hmm. been one of the most selfless guys I've ever met as a receiver yeah. i think it was the quote and that says something because of course as a receiver is the context of all of us want the ball all of us feel like we need to have the ball to change the game as we've talked about um but jefferson comes out after that whole thing with the viral clip of kirk throw the flag route throw the ball um uh, he comes out and says you know i'm not a diva and then gary kubiak said today i thought he handled that very classy very classy of a kid to come out and do that at 21 years old and try to clear the air. Um, ben, to me, that struck me more as just a kid who's very attuned to social media and just knows how things spread. And he was just smart enough to be like, all right, I'm just going to get ahead of this right away, right after the game. And he's, he's smart like that. He knows how to yeah. kind of work that stuff. Stefan Diggs was very attuned to social media as well. <laughs> it's true. just he used it a little different way. There was a little more, I know if I say something cryptic and create a little bit of intrigue that, there's going to be people wondering about it and perhaps that can drive my ultimate goal to get out of here. Um, I, they, they both are, are very aware of how to use it as anybody is going to be that's you know 25 or younger. But yeah, I think Jefferson is trying to go about it a different way. Now the, the comparisons get made to Diggs. I, I really don't think they're the same type of player in the sense that, it just Jefferson doesn't strike me as a guy, at least at this point, that's going to sort of get riled up if his workload is in 110 catches a year. I say that now. Um, if they continue to be an offense where he's not used perhaps to the degree that he could be, I don't, I don't know if that will change. I think it's something to keep in mind. But at this point, Everything you hear about him, everything I think we've seen in talking to him, talking to his family a little bit, is that you know he's he had older brothers that played in college. His dad was an athlete. There's a little bit of a, a kind of a ethos, I guess, of hey, you got to go earn it, and you have to go prove to somebody that you're a big deal. And and the other thing to mention is that he was as has been said a time or two, I, I think, uh, that he was lightly recruited coming out of high school because he took a long time to develop, whereas Stefan Diggs was the number one player in the country coming out of high school. So some of that stuff, when you're being treated one way versus being treated another way when you're in high school, tends to factor into your development of how you carry yourself, too. Yeah, absolutely. And everybody, like, the same – the similarities with him and Diggs are both that they're amazing, um, but also yeah. that they have – uh, great work ethics. I think everybody talks about Jefferson in terms of this kid who brings like a seventh round work ethic, even though he's a first round pick and just has this mentality of a kid that wants to get better and doesn't kind of rest on laurels and think like, Oh, I'm here, you know, and I've arrived kind of thing. Um, I think of Cordero Patterson, as much as he's grown and people credit his maturity with his age um, that's coming eight years into the league because his first year, his second year, he was 
as Mike Zimmer said, kind of enjoying that celebrity lifestyle. He's going mm-hmm. out to the Pro Bowl. Uh, he was, I think it was part of like Super Bowl Media Day, going out to the Pro Bowl stuff. Like he just loved it. You know, it's that mentality where like if you're not focused on the work, it's not always going to translate. And then, of course, coaching meets you halfway. And the Vikings trusted the fact that Justin Jefferson can do these things on the outside. They didn't mold him into a slot receiver. And maybe in 2014, if North Turner said, hey, maybe I can use Cordero as this gadget guy, maybe Cordero's career is totally different. And maybe he makes a lot more money because he's scoring a lot more on offense. Maybe he's uh, a pro bowler as more than a kicker turner. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But Inside I would say joke. that I think, I think Jefferson's skill set is so much more refined, obviously, and so much better as a receiver that it's easier to use him. It's easier to throw the ball his way. And, and Kirk talks about one of the best things with Justin is that he can make you correct. Like he, with his, his kind of, they talk about the catch radius, as they say in scouting, um, he can, you know, take an off target ball and turn that into a first down. Whereas some receivers just aren't willing to naturally adjust like that. Don't have the reaction time. Don't have the skills to do that compared to all put together um, kind of with all those things. Um, it makes Justin a, a very complete receiver at 21 years old. And it's, it's amazing to see that. And then see a team like the Philadelphia Eagles who totally were like, nah, we don't need them. We'll, we'll take Jalen Rieger who might be a fine punt yeah. returner one day, but man, is this kid good. <laughs> and uh, Ben, is there anything else that we should talk about uh, regarding Friday's matchup? You know, I, I guess the only thing that I, I'm curious about is, you know, are they able to run the ball against this front? I mean, we, we've seen this the last couple of weeks, and they certainly were able to do it against the Buccaneers. They they did it relatively effectively against the Bears as well when they are facing these good run fronts. They've shown that they're still able to do it, but it, it's always this question of should they do it as much as they do? I mean, are, are they going to have to find ways to let things go a little bit more and um, – and try to open it up because we, we saw the second short runs again. We've seen a lot of second and long runs. I mean, there's been a, a lot of that in it this year, and it's going to be interesting to see if that continues against another really strong run front, or do they kind of keep doing what they're doing and, and hope for the best with it? I do wonder if we're going to see the, the playoff positioning impact anything at all. Cause like, what do they have to lose? Right? Like if you're out of it and you find yourself down a score or two here in new Orleans. Like why, if you're Gary Kubiak or you're Mike Zimmer overhearing the play calling in the headset, why would you be saying run it here on second and 11? So we set up a manageable third down. Like why not kind of unleash a little bit of this passing game and just think, you know what, if we turn it over here, we turn it over and, and you know what, whatever, what do you have to lose? Nothing. And especially, I mean, <clears throat> the, the discussion about workload with Dalvin cook all year has not revolved so much around this year. It's that if there is a trend and, and there's, there's only so much data to go on. I, I wouldn't say this is ironclad, but what you have seen is when guys have heavy workloads, they in some cases are more likely to get hurt the following year. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is it's one example of it, not saying that it happens to everybody, but, that's certainly an example of it where he had 400 plus touches last year and has not been able to stay on the field this year. So you are paying Dalvin cook for the next at least two years, um, possibly longer than that. So if you're going to have him here and you still need him to be the focal point of your offense, but I I think there's every reason to think he will be, 
why wouldn't you take a few carries off of his plate now and, you know, just whatever you can do to try to lighten the workload, just even a little bit. I mean, you're, you're pretty far into it at this point. You may be pot committed to use the poker metaphor, but you could probably spend a little bit less there and at the same time open your offense up. They, they can't take him off the field. Alexander Madison's in the concussion protocol, but you could put the ball in his hands a little bit less and try some different things. Maybe that helps pro- prolong his viability a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah, they've got they've got so many different um, rookies on the field already that the question of can you get any looks at any other younger guys is kind of um, moot because they've been doing yeah. that all year. That's kind yeah. of been their thing all year. Um, but yeah, Dalvin's workload is certainly one where hey, why not? And then what do you just have to risk by getting Adam Thielen a few more targets instead yeah. of you know the three that he got in a thirty point thirty three twenty seven loss to, yeah. to Chicago. Um, anyway, we'll, we'll see how that kind of adjusts their approach and, and we'll talk about kind of, um, what happens Friday in new Orleans after that game. And then we'll be previewing the season finale in Chicago, or excuse me, I get so used to Chicago being, the <laughs> we will, uh, preview We're the about that until 2021 <laughs> we'll preview. Yeah. The season finale in Detroit, I should say next week. Um, happy, happy holidays to all of you guys. Thank you for checking out the access Vikings podcast. You can find all of our work at startribune.com. Maybe you should get off the podcast. <laughs>